Turn with me this morning to uh, Jeremiah chapter 9. I'm still going to some selected uh, passages of Scripture uh, for another few weeks and uh, trying to go to some passages that are uh, somewhat familiar to you that you'll recognize. And uh, This morning we're in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. As we go through, you'll see why I chose the passage from James for us to read together earlier. This is God's word. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not a mighty man boast of his might. And let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And again, that is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful today that you have given to us your holy, inspired, inerrant word. And we know that it is true. We know that it is the light that shines upon our path. It is the lamp that illumines our way. It is the guide, not just for our lives, but it's the guide to our Savior. It shows us Jesus. It shows us the way of salvation. It shows us the way to live in a way that pleases and honors you. And so we pray that today your word would do all of that for us. And that wherever we are in our spiritual lives, wherever it is we have spiritual needs that you would use your word to meet them today and to draw us to the Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, I don't know anyone who likes a braggart, do you? Uh, the easiest way to drive people away from, from yourself is to spend time bragging about yourself. People get real tired real quickly of those who continually go on and on about themselves. But there is a tendency within all of us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. It's easy for us to imagine ourselves being better looking than we are, uh, to be more gifted than we are, more, fluent, more influential than we are, more powerful than we are, more popular than we are, more significant than we are, more important than we are. You know, imagining those kinds of things is a lot easier, isn't it, than really taking a hard, honest look at ourselves to see what we're really like. The Bible actually has a good bit to say about boasting. It falls into two particular categories. There is a kind of boasting which God strictly forbids. Some verses in the Bible specifically forbid us from bragging or boasting about ourselves or our accomplishments. That's what our text says this morning from Jeremiah chapter 9. The Lord says, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. Now, you've got to understand, these are people who have, a, humanly speaking, a reason to boast. This is a wise man he's talking about. This is a mighty man he's referring to. This is a 
man of great riches, of whom he makes reference. God says, no matter how wise you may be, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how rich you might be, that you're not to boast about it. You see, boasting is not listed among the the fruit of the Spirit. I checked. I went back to Galatians chapter 5, and it's not there. It's not a character trait associated with the child of God. In fact, as we'll see, the Bible says that boasting and bragging is more characteristic of the ungodly, of the unbeliever, than is the godly or the believer. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. We'll see that uh, John says that, that boasting and bragging reflects a worldly mentality. 1 John chapter 2. Verses 15 and 16. John says this, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. It's clear John is focusing upon the world, the things in the world, saying we're not to be identified with things in the world. Then he goes on in verse 16 to describe some of them. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, then here it is, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. In Romans chapter 1, Paul gives us a lengthy description of the ungodly. And he describes the ungodly there as as those with whom the Lord is angry and upon whom God's wrath abides. The ungodly are those who don't acknowledge God's presence or God's power, who don't give God thanks for the blessings that he has given to them, who, Paul says, suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness. Then he goes on to say in Romans chapter 1 what the ungodly are like. In verse 29 he says they're filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. goes on to say they're gossips, slanders. And he's describing ungodly here. Haters of God, Insolent. Then notice the next two. Arrogant and boastful. Inventors of evil, disobedient parents, and all the rest. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he described the last days now, there would be increasing ungodliness in the time approaching Christ's return and in the last days. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says this. But realize this. In the last days, difficult times will come. Then he describes what men will be like in the last days. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Here it is. Boastful and arrogant. It's interesting how in the Bible, so many times, being boastful and arrogant are tied together. We saw it in Romans chapter 1. We see it here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. There are other places where boastful and arrogance are tied together and as we see 
The Bible says that being boastful or arrogant is something that is from the world. It is descriptive of the ungodly. It describes those who will be characterized in the last days. You see, boasting and pride, arrogance, are all at the very heart of our fallen nature. It's kind of who we are apart from Christ. You know, we believe it was pride and arrogance that led Satan in whatever happened for him to be cast down from the angelic host. And it's still his chief ploy in trying to bring us to a place of disobedience. How did sin enter the world? Was it not partly Satan, the serpent, appealing to Eve's pride? You will be like who? You'll be like God. God knows if you take of that fruit, he said, from which not to eat, you will be like him. He appealed to her pride. It's at the very heart of our fallen nature. James says it's just part of who we are. When he's talking about the tongue, he says the tongue is is such a small part of the body, and yet with this tongue we boast of such great things. Many warnings in the Bible are given about the danger of pride, arrogance, and boasting because they do not please God. Well, while boasting and arrogance are the heart of our fallen nature, they're contrary to the nature of Jesus. See, Jesus oozed humility. Everything about Jesus just kind of shouted about humility, even the fact that he would come to earth to dwell among us. Pictures for us his deep and great humility. We we go to Philippians 2 and that beautiful passage so many times to to describe the, the, the nature and the work of Christ. And you know, there Paul says that Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. And in that passage, Paul makes it clear that, that the attitude of humility of Jesus is to be the pattern of humility for us. That's what Paul says. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And of course, Jesus taught humility. Remember when he said, he who humbles himself will be exalted, he who exalts himself will be humbled. And so, boasting is something that the Bible forbids. And there are two particular things the Bible says we are to be especially careful not to boast about. And one of those is boasting about the future. You know, we all make plans for the future. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. What is wrong with it is when we kind of just take the future and how we've planned it as a guarantee. And we think that our plans are somewhat invincible. But you see, the truth is that not one of us knows what the future will bring. There's not a one of us that knows what tomorrow will bring much less where we'll be a year from now. To be honest, one of the most humbling things that you can do 
is look to the future and realize, you know, I really don't have any control over that. That the future really is in someone else's hands other than my own. You know, the Bible says that we make our plans, but God directs our steps. And to know that your plans, your life, is in God's hands can be a very humbling thing. You know, many plans were changed this past week by the weather. Now, that's not exactly true. The truth is that many plans were changed by God last week. God used the weather to change a lot of plans. Our son was home Monday evening. He was uh, planning to go to Dallas on Tuesday uh, for an interview for a residency, and he got up still with those plans Tuesday morning, left the house and early in the morning, and he got between here and Jackson, and he realized God had other plans. And he turned around and came home. It wasn't God's plan for him to make it to Dallas that day. Marita was in chaos Tuesday, as was Atlanta and Birmingham. You know, people's plans were changed. You go back and you look at people's daytimers and their schedules on their computers or their phones. You won't find anybody who wrote in what happened on Tuesday and Wednesday. People had all kinds of plans. But that wasn't them. Man plans his way. But God directs his steps. And so the Bible admonishes us not to boast about the future. Proverbs 27.1 specifically says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day will bring forth. And James expands on that in James chapter 4, where James tells us this. James chapter 4. Verses 13 through 16. Come now you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city or spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead you ought to say this. If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is... He says, you boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting is evil. You might remember the story Jesus told about the the rich farmer. He had the kind of problem every farmer would love to have. He had more crops than he had places to store them. And so he thought about his situation and he decided that uh, what he needed to do was just tear down his old smaller barns and build some new bigger barns so he could store all the grain that he had harvested. What the man said to himself was this. You have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. You see, the man boasted about himself and about his accomplishments. I've done so well, and so I'm just going to take it easy For the rest of my life. Now we would think. uh, 
well of a man like that in our culture today, but Jesus looked at him and said, you fool. And he was a fool because he didn't realize that here he was making all these plans of the future, but his soul would be required of him that very night. And so the Bible admonishes us not to boast about the future. We simply are not to do it. The future is in God's hands. And instead of boasting about the future, we trust God for the future. The other area in which we are specifically forbidden not to boast is about our salvation. Now, if you think looking at uh, the future is a humbling thing, look at the Bible says about your salvation. That's a very humbling thing, too. Not only does God hold the future in his hands, but God holds salvation in his hands, too. You know, there are people who actually believe that they achieve salvation on their own. That's something they do. Something they accomplish. Something they earn. Something they deserve. That it's completely their decision. And God rewards them with eternal life based on what they have done. And so they boast about becoming a Christian as though it was something they did. Folks, that's not the gospel. The gospel is not about anything we did. The gospel is about what God has done. The gospel is not about what you and I have accomplished. It's about what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. The gospel is about the fact that you and I were dead in sin. We were lost and couldn't find our way. We were deaf and couldn't hear the truth. And God in His sovereign power and mercy changed our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. He opened up our ears that we could hear the truth of the message of the gospel. And He took our cold, lifeless, dead hearts and gave us new life in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Salvation is a humbling thing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. And it's all because of what God has done in my life and in your life as well. And so instead of being a cause for boasting, folks, having salvation is a a motive for real humility and, and brokenness and gratitude before this sovereign God who in His great mercy has called us into eternal life. You look with me again at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3. You know, Romans 3 is where Paul gives us this great statement of salvation. 
and for the sake of time, only read a, a few verses, but if you look with me at Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. And verse 23 says, For all have sinned, that's our dilemma, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then he goes on to say, However, being justified, how? As a gift by His grace. Through what? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He's saying, look, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God has justified us as a gift by His grace through the redemptive work of Jesus. Then he goes down to verse 27 and asks this question. So, where then is boasting? It is excluded. Folks, there is no room for boasting about salvation. We are humbled before the grace and the mercy and the power of God that has saved us. You might remember, I won't turn there for the sake of time, but again in Ephesians 2 we find the same thing. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And then Paul answers the question, why? It is a gift of God that no man should boast. We're not to boast about our salvation. But there really is another side. And in conclusion, I want to point you to two things that the Bible says that we can boast about. My title of my sermon this morning is Biblical Boasting. We're not to boast about ourselves in particular about the future, about our salvation. But the Bible says there are two things about which we can boast. And one of those we find in our text. We're to boast, if we boast about anything, we're to boast in the Lord. That's what Paul says, or Jeremiah says, the Lord says to Jeremiah in verse 23 of our chapter, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not a rich, mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. If we're going to boast in anything, we are to boast in the Lord. And the fact that he has allowed us to know him and to know him as he is, that he is the Lord who, who loves loving kindness and justice and truth. Folks, if we're going to boast, we need to boast in what a great God we have. What a mighty, powerful, awesome, loving, kind, benevolent, good, gracious God we have. If we are to boast in anything, we're to boast in the Lord. Psalm 27 says, Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 44 says this, In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Psalm 34 too says, My soul will make its boast in the Lord. Paul even quotes our text in the New Testament, both in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians where he says, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. But what is it that we're to boast about? 
We're going to boast in the Lord. I've already said we boast in his power and his might and his grace and his mercy, but there's one specific thing about the Lord in which we are to boast. And that's we're to boast in the cross of Christ. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Where Paul makes it um, very clear. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 14. Where Paul says this. But may it never be that I would boast. That that, uh, negative there is the strongest negative in in the Greek language. It is meganoida. God forbid is what it literally says. God forbid that I would boast. Except, he says, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that I would boast except in one thing. And that's in the cross. Jesus Christ. As believers, we have one ultimate goal, and that's to lift high the cross, to exalt in the name of Jesus. Because we know there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we we must be saved than His. That no one comes to the Father but through Him. And through what He did on the cross for us. That alone is to be our source of boasting. When Jeremiah says, look, we are to boast in the Lord. Or God says, boast that you know me, that I am the Lord. And then Paul says, God forbid that I should boast. Keep me from it. Except in the cross of Christ. But there's another source of boasting. We're not to boast on our, ourselves. I'm not to boast upon, on myself. But we can boast on each other. It's very interesting to me. If you go with me to Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 9. You can just hang there for a minute. We have two letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. First and Second Corinthians. First letter is, is, is a very hard letter. Uh, people say they want to go back to the days of the first test, New Testament church. I don't want to go back to the days of the Corinth. Well, all kind of strife, tension, division, jealousy, animosity, sin, immorality, all kinds of problems in the church. And Paul spends almost that whole letter exhorting, admonishing, correcting them, saying, this is what you need to do differently. The tone of 2 Corinthians is entirely different. Because it's clear that the people heard Paul's message and they made significant changes. They repented of sin. And Paul was proud of them for it. Did you hear that? In a good and godly way, Paul was proud of the Corinthian church because of what they had accomplished for the gospel and the way they had repented of sin and turned to him. He was so proud of them, he bragged on them. He boasted about them. Look at 2 Corinthians 
chapter 9. Verses 1 and 2. For it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry to the saints. I don't need to write to you anymore because you know all about it and you're doing it. Verse 2. For I know your readiness. That's readiness to minister. Of which I boast about you to the Macedonians. Paul says, look, I have bragged on you to the Macedonians. I have boasted. And can't you hear what Paul said? You just won't believe how well those believers in Corinth are doing. You just can't imagine the difference that that has been made in their lives. How they responded to the preaching of the gospel and the admonitions that I gave them in the first letter and how much better they are doing. Look, there's a lesson in that for us. Too many times we're too hard on ourselves and we're too hard on each other. Sometimes we're too quick to notice the mistakes and the foibles of others and too slow to notice their progress and accomplishments. The church ought not to be a place where we find ourselves discouraged because we're not meeting the expectations of others. But the church ought to be a place where we find encouragement, where people are noticing the difference the gospel makes in our lives, are pointing it out to us and encouraging us to greater faith and to greater obedience. And so look for things in each other to brag about. Paul says, look, I boast about the Corinthians to the Macedonians. You find things in each other to boast about. Boast about the good things you see taking place in the lives of others. You know, I'll be honest with you. When people ask me about North Point, one of my good friends from uh, a former life called me... uh, this week just to chat and to to catch up and he said Bob how's the church how's North Point you know when people ask me about the church I brag on you a little bit I say you know it's an amazing group of people you know for the most part they are sincere they love the Lord they love his word they're attentive when I preach amazingly they love fellowship I say God's doing some good things in North Point you see we need to look for the good that God is doing it's so easy isn't it to see the warts so easy to see the stumbles so easy to see the mistakes There's so much good. We need to encourage each other. I see it. I notice how you're more faithful. That's so great. I see how you're serving in this capacity. Picked up this responsibility. You're doing so well. I'm so proud of you. 
You need the encouragement of other people. Paul was not afraid to boast on others. Oh, we're not to boast in ourselves. Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. We're to boast in the Lord, aren't we? And to boast in the good things God is doing in his people. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, the richness of your grace, the tenderness of your mercy, and how we pray that you would encourage us all this morning that we would remember not to boast in ourselves, not to brag, not to become arrogant, but to be humbled before you, be realizing that our lives are in your hands. Our salvation is a gift you've given to us. Help our boasting only to be in the cross of Christ and the fact that we know you and the good things you're doing and the lives of those we know and love and care about. We might give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.